Well, let's go ahead and let's pray, and then we'll spend some time in 2 John. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for everything that you blessed us with. We just ask that as we spend time in your word, your spirit would be moving. You would allow us to understand your truth and understand exactly what is found in your word and your expectation of us. Uh, we pray that we would walk by the power of the Spirit, that we would be like Christ. We pray, Father, that you would help us in our endeavor to fight uh, temptation and to stay away from false teaching that so easily damages us and our minds. We thank you so very much for everything you've given us in your Son's name. Amen. So, this is a third sermon on watching out for false teachers, and some of you may be going, are you serious, another, another one? How much, how much watching out can a guy do for false teachers? All you got to do is just tell us once, shouldn't that be enough to say, watch out, and that's good enough? Some of you may be thinking, hey, can we even start our Christmas series, because December's coming up. By the way, I'm super excited about this uh, I've been studying the book of Hebrews, and I thought in, inspired by the book of Hebrews, uh, we're going to be doing a series, Jesus is Better Than Santa. So just get ready for that. I'm really excited about that. But let's get back to the thing at hand here. Another one? Why a third sermon in a row on watching out for false teachers? And let me just give you a couple reasons of why it's important to have a couple sermons like this. Three uh, Dealing with this subject, number one, the Bible itself says numerous times in each of the epistle to watch out for false teachers. Why? Because you and I can fall for false teaching. It's easy. It's easy for us to fall. Why warn us so often? Because we are susceptible to that. And then number two, because there's so many of them out there, right? As we're speaking right now, I guarantee you there's new heretics being created right now. Okay, so why? There's so many of them, and it's easy for us to fall for it. Second reason, I think it's pretty clear, is I I want our church to be safe. I I want it to be sound. Do you know how easy it is for false teaching to come in? It's super easy. It's incredibly easy. It, It is so easy for it just to attach to our clothes and attach to our minds and Somebody reads a book, and oh, yeah, no, and that's a good book. And then the next thing you know, the whole church is derailed, right? This is subtle. This stuff is subtle. I want us to be safe. There's another reason. We need to have biblical discernment. It seems like every time I turn around, there's another new social media app, another new social media app that has a whole bunch of false teachers. It's amazing how they find out about this stuff. It's almost as if they're working for these social media companies, and they say, hey, we're going to do a new platform, and all of them go, cool, we'll join. Even 20 years ago, the access to things was significantly different than it is today. We have YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and X and what other platform you use. False teaching is on there. And once you watch one of those videos, their algorithm will automatically keep pumping those videos. I accidentally watched one a couple weeks ago of a false teacher. Guess what I'm getting a lot of? That same false teacher. Why? Because of the algorithm. 
also think of this. I'm an expositor. My job is the next verse, right? That, that's my mantra, the next verse. Why talk about it? Because that, this is what the book says, right? The book talks about this, and this is the book we're studying. And as we go through this, there are some things that are really important in each of these verses that we need to think about, right? There's different aspects of watching out, and we needed to look into each of those. And then lastly, I, I, I wanted to challenge you because of how easy it is for false teachers to come into our house, into our minds nowadays. I, I wanted this to, for you to evaluate yourself. So I know that I haven't given a lot of names of false teachers. There's a reason for that. Uh, we'll, you'll find out later of why I really didn't want to give a lot of names. I wanted to give you a framework to view false, false teachers. I think that's far more important that you understand what they look like generally so that I don't have to sit here and name names each week of watch out for this guy. You can already go, yeah, no, that's, that's bad. So today we're going to look, this is going to be our last time thinking of watching out for false teachers in the book of Second John, Lord willing. And there's four things I want to point out in this text between uh, 2 John verses 9 through 11. Four things I want to point out. The first part of verse 9, we're going to look at the potential deception that's going to come. Watch out for the potential deception. And we're going to see why it's so dangerous. Why it's so easy for us to fall into that. Then the second part of the verse, John takes a little bit of a dog leg, throws a little bit of a curveball, and says, watch out for proven faithfulness. That's another thing we're supposed to be watching out for. It's not just that we're looking for false teachers, but when we see true teachers, well, then we latch on to those true teachers. Verse 10, we're going, to be, we're going to be warned against perilous associations, dangerous associations. What, that, what does that look like? What does that look like to associate with somebody that is doctrinally dangerous? And then lastly, we're going to look at partaking of their wickedness. If you associate with a false teacher... Know this, that in God's eyes, it is possible that he will view you as partaking in that heresy along with them. So, let's look at this first one. Watch out for the potential deception. Notice how John starts off here in verse 9. While remembering the context, remembering that, the, that one of the main commands of this section is found in verse 8, where he says, watch yourself. That's the Greek word, blepete. You all must be on guard. This is speaking to the elect lady. I think that's a mother and her children, right? So this is speaking to an individual. The mom is supposed to be on, the, on guard. The children are supposed to be on guard. Watch yourself. What, what, last week we learned why. Because we can lose what we've worked for and we might not gain our full reward. And so now he is beginning to tell us who to specifically, without naming names, tells us specifically who he's looking at. These are the people that you need to watch for. So notice verse 9. Everyone. In the Greek, the word everyone means everyone. I know that's earth-shattering when we do Bible study, that everyone means every single person. But it's important, that word is important. Everyone. Everyone. Anyone can do this. 
any time we hear somebody do this, oh man, oh man, it can look like anyone. It can be a sweet old lady. It can be a person dressed like a devil. It doesn't matter. Anyone that does this. It doesn't even matter if they were in the church to begin with. Because notice what it says. Everyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ. Now just notice that phrase, go ahead. The word go ahead means to go too far, to go beyond, right? There's this doctrinal boundary that's set by the apostles and by God's word. Anyone that exceeds that, goes beyond, begins to teach something that's not found in God's word, that really majors in things that the Bible never majors in. Remember last week we talked about those things we're supposed to be watching for so we're not tricked. Anyone that does any of those things, anyone that goes beyond what is written. Now, the implication of going beyond means what? That at one time they probably were in bounds. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, when talking to the elders of the city of Ephesus, which, by the way, we're starting Ephesus in Sunday school. Hopefully you guys can show up to that. That's going to be a really good study. What did he tell them? He said, watch out, because amongst yourselves will come evil, ravenous wolves. That's why I have the wolf head on the guy, by the way. Ravenous wolves. That's what they are. They're wolves. I don't know if you've ever seen a wolf, what a wolf does, how a wolf hunts, how a wolf thinks. They're bloodthirsty animals. God has created them to be primo killers, right? They are they're fantastic at what God has created them to do. And sometimes they do stuff and you're like, man, I, it's almost like, it's almost like they plan to do the most evil thing possible in the killing of this animal. Growing up in Wyoming, there's a lot of sheep, and one of the things that the wolves and the coyotes would do with the sheep that the people had to be watch out for was wolves and coyotes would train their young how to kill on the sheep, and so they would go and they would kill hundreds of sheep, not even eat them, just to kill them, just, just to kill them. It's a good description of a false teacher, a wolf. Paul says they're going to come from your own. Now, I know that we're really skeptical of the world around us, right? And we're, we're, we're watching that, and we got, we got our guard up against the world that doesn't know Christ, and we kind of expect them to act like Christ, because why not? And when they don't act like Christ, well, then we say, well, they should have acted like Christ, because, you know, the Bible, and they're not capable of doing it, but we're really watching them. While at the same time, we're embracing those who are divergent of orthodox teaching and we're welcoming them because they say, yeah, no, I read my Bible once a week and I like Jesus. And sometimes we go, cool. Well, he said Jesus. He's got to be on our team. Not realizing that most of the false teaching in the world today has originated from people who were in the church. Think of this. Islam is one of the largest Christian heresies in the world. If you study Christology and you study all of the heresies in the ancient world, one of them sounds a lot like Islam. In fact, one of the guys who was part of that 
particular teaching was the one whom Muhammad met. And guess how Muhammad learned about Jesus? From a Christian heresy. Started where? Somebody in the church going too far on the person and work of Jesus. And and then notice notice what it says. It says they go beyond what's written. There's this guardrails of of biblical doctrine about Christ, about salvation, about sanctification, about end times. They They go beyond that. And what do they do? And they do not abide. They do not remain. They, they do not stay with the church. They don't stay with Christ. They, 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 don't, they don't remain teaching the doctrines of Christ. They depart from this. Once again, the idea of they do not abide means that they probably are coming from the church. Now think about this. This is what makes false teaching so very dangerous. Because the false teachers that we come in contact with used to sit next to us in the pews. They were our friends. We have done ministry together. We have prayed for one another. We have spent time with one another. And now they're divergent. They know enough of our lingo to convince us of the other. This is what makes it so dangerous. We see them coming and they're like, friend, long time friend. And they're not a long-time friend. They're a wolf. It's like a sheep that converted to a wolf and coming back and helping the wolves. That's what it's like. And notice what they're not, they're not, they're not remaining faithful to what? The teaching of Christ. That's the important thing. What do they say about Jesus? What do they say about God? What do they say about salvation? Remember a couple weeks ago, in verse 7, when we talked about the deceivers, we talked about the things that they say about Christ. They don't remain in the biblical view of Jesus, the biblical salvation of Jesus, that Jesus being fully God and fully man in one person, two natures in one person, came down, lived a perfect life, was crucified on a cross, was buried and physically bodily rose from the dead. And all who place their faith solely in the person and work of Jesus Christ shall be saved. They leave that message. They now bring a different message. That's dangerous, dangerous. Watch out for these people. Watch out for the people that say this. Now you go, but they they have really good views of politics. They have really good views on society. Our kids know each other. We, I used, we, we used to babysit each other's kids. Yeah, that's probably true. But that doesn't excuse the fact that they've gone beyond what the Bible has written. Now, you might say, well, what's the danger of still listening to them? Well, notice what it says next. It says, everyone who does not, everyone who goes ahead and everyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ, notice, they do not have God. They don't have God. They don't know him. They don't know the nature of God. So what are they going to tell you about Jesus? What are they going to tell you about Jesus? They're not going to tell you anything about Jesus because they don't know Jesus. They don't know God. They're not believers. They don't have genuine faith. They don't don't genuinely know him. They're not indwelt by the Spirit. Why? Because they deny the gospel in the most basic tenets. So watch out for these people. Now, notice the next part here in verse 9, 9b. We're supposed to watch out for proven faithfulness. Right? Notice the picture has changed here. 
There's a reason for that because proven faithful teachers are not wolves. Notice that the picture is a little bit older. Why is that? Well, because the message hasn't changed from the time of the apostles until now. It's the same message. The things we've heard from the beginning are still the same things. We don't change. In fact, the church moves forward by looking back to the things that are taught in the scriptures. So notice what he says next. Whoever abides in the teaching, you know that teaching we talked about in the first couple verses of this book, the teaching that we've been talking about the whole time this church has been in existence, right? The doctrinal stance of this church, that teaching, whoever abides in that teaching, notice, has both the Father and the Son. You see it? They remain faithful to the gospel. They remain faithful to Jesus. What do they have? They have the Father. The false teachers don't have the Father. They don't have the Father. We have the Father. We know the Father. The believer has a really good understanding of the Trinity. Now, you might not have the best understanding, and it, it still is a, not even close to the reality of the Trinity, But I guarantee you this, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they go, yeah, I don't know how it works out, but there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they're one God. I can't explain it, but that's what it is. You remain there? You remain that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man? And that salvation is only through Jesus Christ? You remain faithful to that? What does that mean? That means you know God. That means you are saved. That means you have the Father. And notice, you also have the Son. You know Jesus. You have a a correct understanding of Jesus. So on the one hand, you watch out for all these other people that don't do this. But I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of people who do have this. Now, I'm going to talk more about this later, but probably this is a good time to introduce it. So maybe we won't talk about it later because we'll talk about it now. Why should we talk about multiple things multiple times? We'll just talk about it once. We as Christians have this really, especially American Christians, we have a pretty nasty habit of we kill the people on our same team. We willfully let false teachers in without any checking them out. But we're really against the people who don't act like Jesus and we're quick to point out they don't act like Jesus. So the people that never wanted to act like Jesus, we go, they don't act like Jesus. Bad. And that's what we talk about. We talk about how the people who don't know Jesus don't act like Jesus, and we say this like it's brand new news, and we all get scared because the people who don't know Jesus don't act like Jesus. We somehow expect them to. There's false teachers that come in. Well, they say they love Jesus. So, but man, if somebody comes to you and says, there are four dispensations, and you go, no, there are seven I will break fellowship faster than Jimmy can come home and grab the corn, right? I mean, it's it's over. Four instead of seven? Do you even know Jesus? Do you even know him? You take John 5 different than I do? How dare you? Oh, this guy practices yoga and denies the gospel, but he says he loves Jesus, and I like what he says about politics. Yeah, come on in, buddy. How dare you believe in four dispensations? This guy come in, and then how bad is the world around us when they don't act like Jesus because they don't have Jesus? 
We do that all the time. I want to encourage us. Let's stick with like-minded people. It's okay on these secondary things, these secondary matters, such as how many dispensations there are. When you're getting baptized, you enter the baptismal with your right foot or your left foot. Who cares? That Literally, it doesn't matter. Let's stick with like-minded believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just because somebody says, I like Jesus, maybe we should do a little bit more homework and go, what do you mean, Jesus? When you say you need to listen to God, what do you mean by listen to God? Because for me, that means I spend time in God's word, understanding what it says in its context, properly applying it theologically to my life and to my mind. That's what it means for me to listen to God. What does it mean for you to listen to God? And then those people that don't like, act like Jesus, of course, I hate evil. There's a lot of evil around us. Of course, it makes me sad when people who don't act like Jesus still do terrible, rotten things. Of course, that's appalling to, to me, knowing God's word. But they are not our enemy. They have a spiritual Stockholm syndrome. They need Jesus. That's the solution. Evangelism. That, that's the solution. More evangelism. More Jesus. So let's watch out for bad. Let's watch out for good. Now, let's go to this next verse, verse 10. Something else can happen here, friends. Someone that we once knew that used to sit next to us in the church, now they're a known false teacher. They might come. And notice what it says. It says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching. So, by the way, this is not somebody that you didn't know they didn't have this teaching. This is not somebody who is just one of your neighbors. This is someone who is a specific false teacher. They are a known false teacher. They are specifically going around trying to convince people things that are not found in God's word. So they are specifically coming to you to specifically preach to you a Jesus which the Bible does not know. A salvation which is not found in, in the gospel or in the Bible. And notice what it says. It says, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Now, this doesn't mean, as some have taken it, that we can act rude to a false teacher or to anyone that comes to our door. Meaning, you don't get the opportunity to violate one aspect of Scripture in order to violate this particular one as well. We are still meant to be loving, kind, polite, gracious, and merciful. Now, what happens when a Jehovah Witness comes knocking on our door? We can be nice. We can be polite. We can share with them the gospel. We don't get to say, I don't believe in your church. Wham, slam the door. I don't think Jesus would have done that. It doesn't mean, by the way, that you come in and say, yeah, come on, tell me more. Let me buy your books. Let me buy your videos. I'll, I'll go around and pass them out to the people in my church. 
That's what's being talked about here, is inviting somebody into your house, accepting them as a teacher, embracing them, and going around and exalting this one that's now coming to your church who's a clear heretic as a faithful teacher. Now, in the ancient world, this was a little bit different because there would be these traveling teachers. They would come around, they would knock on people's houses, and they would say, can I come in? And according to ancient culture, you'd have to let them come in and you would feed them a lot. And some of these false teachers would just start teaching. And if you like what they said, you'd give them money. In fact, in, in one of the early Christian documents called the Didache or the Didache, depending on how the kids are saying it these days, there was a specific command given to this. Okay, So this was written a couple hundred years after this. But they said, if somebody comes to your house asking for money, turn them away because they're a false teacher. If someone comes and wants to stay longer than three days, turn them away. They're a false teacher. Meaning these false teachers would come, they would make their, your home their home, and they would ask you for money, you to fund them. So you'd be funding this guy, going around using your house as home base to preach another gospel that's not Jesus Christ. Culturally, that's what's happening. So today, how do we, how do we understand this? How, how do we not accept somebody into our house? Does it mean that I accidentally watched a YouTube video and, uh, and a false teacher was on the YouTube video and I take my laptop and I throw it out the window because Satan can come in through YouTube? Is that the conclusion? No, that's not the conclusion. The conclusion is, if I listen to someone who's a false teacher... And then I start going around saying, you have to listen to this false teacher. Man, what they're saying is great. You buy people their books. You send people their videos. You start quoting them on Facebook. You start promoting them like they really have a really good idea of Jesus and God and of ethics. That would be the equivalent today. As I was thinking of this, I thought, man, there are a lot of false teachers. How, how do I make sure that I don't disseminate false teaching when I do stuff? Well, I guess that just means that we have to do homework ourselves before we start quoting somebody and buying people books, doesn't it? Doesn't that mean that we, it's a little bit more on us? Like, I can't just buy a book that says, love Jesus, and start handing it out to people. I have to understand the author I have to understand what church he comes from. I have to understand what he teaches, his doctrine. And if he's a faithful teacher or she's a faithful teacher, then it would be okay. But if it's a false one, you know how much false teaching and false heresy has been promulgated because people foolishly bought a book that was popular at the Christian bookstore and just handed it out and they started teaching it, doing book series in their church. And next thing you know, Everyone seems to be a heretic. How did that happen? Do you think maybe it was because someone read it, liked it, and didn't do their homework? That's the warning here. That's the warning. This is what we have to watch out for. Promote that which is good, that which honors Christ, which exalts Jesus Christ, and stay away from everything else. If it doesn't do it, stay away. It's poison food for the sheep. Because notice, notice what may happen. This, this may be what happened. Notice in verse 11, 
For whoever greets him takes part in his evil works. If this lady welcomes this false teacher into her house and allows the false teacher to use the house as a home base and pays this false teacher all the bad that he does, she is culpable. Now, she may not be going out and teaching all of these things, but enabling him to teach all these things, she is culpable. You too may be culpable for spreading false doctrine. I may be culpable for, for spreading false doctrine if I welcome these people into my life, embrace them, promote them, associate with them. Man, I am in... Well, I partake in their wickedness. The people who stop worshiping Jesus and start worshiping this teacher. Why? Well, it's because I handed out a book. Now, I'm pretty passionate about this, and there's a couple reasons why. I I haven't had a very long ministry, as many of you know. It's only been about 10 years. Maybe a little bit longer if you add in some of the other work that I've done. Let's just say 15, just to make it a cool number, 15 years. Some of you have been believers longer than that, and amen to that. Thank you for that. So in my short ministry, there have been numerous people that at one time I worked with, we did ministry together, we prayed together, we studied the Bible together, we talked about how to reach communities for the gospel, and they've fallen away. They've fallen away into atheism, fallen away into Hebrew roots. If you don't know what that is, that's a nasty one. That's a nasty heresy. It's basically the Judaizer heresy resurfaced. I have a friend that's into that. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's insane. I have friends that have gone into some crazy churches, and not, not only just did they just go in, they're leaders and teachers of that stuff. At one time, I would have considered them an incredible partner for the gospel, and would have said, here's one that's trustworthy, because I didn't work with them, Right? I knew their hearts. We prayed and we talked. And now I have to tell you, be careful of them. I don't see them as friends. I I see them as as a really sad, really sad person that I now view with suspicion. The reason this is important is because I've seen them fall and you watch the fall. And, 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 and when I first started to see the fall, my first thought was always to say, well, they never really were believers to begin with, so it's kind of expected that they would do this. That's really a cop-out. It really is. That's probably true, by the way. But, but it's, it doesn't explain how they fell, right? It just, it just explains maybe one of the root causes that attributed or caused it. I can tell you in every single case of my friends who used to be friends are now acquaintances that I view with suspicion. In every single case, it started with somebody handing them a book. Sometimes they did it to research, to combat that. And as they were reading it, they got convinced. Other times, and this is the majority of the time, somebody from their church handed them a book that they bought in a Christian bookstore, and they said, this changed my life. And guess what? It changed my friend's life as well. Not for the better, not to worship Jesus,
But now to talk about you don't really love God unless you're blowing the shofar every month. When I say watch out, this is coming from a, from a pastoral heart that says, I, I really don't want you to fall into this. I, I am telling you, I have seen it over and over and over again. And you may think you're strong enough to fight these things. And you may be for a time. But I'm telling you, this stuff is subtle and it's tricky. And they're very good at what they do. Watch out. Now, there was another thing. And I'm going to share why I didn't share a lot of names. Trust me, I have lists of names of heretics that you should stay away from. But my friends, a lot of times when they would read these books, they would look at lists that people had already published of false teachers. And they said, oh, well, it's not Benny Hinn. Well, then it's cool, because it's not on the list. There was a list of names. Well, it wasn't on the list. And there was never really any discernment cultivated to see a false teacher. That's why I didn't really spend a lot of time talking about some of these false names. In fact, this is the first time in three weeks of talking about this that I've even mentioned any names. Why is that? Because I want you to have the discernment to look at this stuff and to see it and go, they're not talking about my Jesus. And my Jesus is worth being talked about truthfully. I love him and I love him passionately. And I'm going to stand with him and those who love my Jesus. This one is not talking about Jesus. It's dangerous, destructive, and it leads people away from Jesus at best, and at worst, it sends people to hell. That's worth watching out for. That's worth us encouraging one another to remain faithful to Jesus. So what do we do in this? What, what do we what do we do? What's the advice after these, listening to these three sermons? What would the advice be? It's not rocket science here. It's simple stuff. One, deepen your understanding of theology and of God's word and develop discernment. Your ability to fight false teaching is how well you know this book. Know this book. Learn this book. Understand this book. Be able to properly apply it theologically to your mind and practically to your life. Have that attitude that unless I'm taught by Jesus, I'm not really taught. Have that idea of, okay, how do I, how do I determine what's right and what's wrong? And how do I see that which is godly and that which is almost godly? Here's another one. Embrace, love, be dedicated to Jesus passionately. Every day, focus on Jesus and the gospel. And those people that help you focus on Jesus and the gospel, those are your real friends. Those are the people you spend a lot of time around. If they don't do that, be careful. Find those people in your life, and they're here in the local church, like-minded believers who want to encourage you to live for Jesus. Be around them that exalt Jesus. And then lastly, you gotta do, we got to do homework, and you got to be really, really careful what you recommend and what you don't recommend, who you read, who you spend time reading, who you spend time recommending. 
man, is it possible for, for us at this church to catch the next book that's the big fad and all of us go, oh, you got to read this book. And this book now all of a sudden starts teaching all this crazy stuff and we fall into hook, line, and sinker. Of course it's possible for even us here to do that. We got to be careful. We got to be really careful. Stick with Jesus. Stick with those people that promote Jesus. Because Jesus is worth it, is he not? Isn't Jesus worthy enough of us to tell the truth about him, to exalt him and glorify him and what he's done for us? As I think about what he's done for us by his grace, he came and he died on the cross for our sins so that we may have the right relationship with God the Father, the right relationship with Jesus, and the right relationship with the Holy Spirit. One of the incredible things that we get to do here. In thinking about the Gospels, that God has given us an ordinance, something that is commanded of the believers to do. We do this to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We welcome everyone to do this, who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to remember what Jesus has done, to remember the true Jesus and the true Gospel, the thing worth fighting for, the thing worth standing for. We are now going to celebrate this together. So as the musicians come up, Greg, if you could also come up, we're going to hand out the elements. We would ask.